2: Your refrigerator after a long day seeing that icy cold Coors light can or bottle in your fridge the answer is no there's nothing better that's why when it's time to chill you choose Coors light it's mountain cold refreshment made to chill Coors light is the one i choose when i need to unwind so that's why when you want to hit reset reach for a beer that's made to chill get Coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart cores brewing company golden colorado and as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 407. Brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Remember, if you're a gambler out there or you want to be a gambler, use code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag and you get a 50% welcome bonus. That is free cash to do what you want with. Today's episode, we've got Dan Zamborski from Fangraphs on the show. He has been on the show twice uh, before this. He's a really interesting, fun guy to talk to. Uh, one of the, the smartest baseball minds... Um, on the internet, he does the zips projections. He gives a little synopsis of all of the data and everything that goes into those projections, which are uh, very highly respected projections. people sort of the go-to projections, one of the the go- to projections. So uh, he like he's just like I said, really smart guy, uh, but also, a very funny baseball guy to talk to because there's always a tangent uh, behind everything. So we definitely went off on a couple of tangents in this episode. Um, he'll, his uh, my conversation with him was lasted about forty five minutes. You'll hear that in a couple of minutes. But before that, I just want to touch on a couple of housekeeping items. Um, the March fourteenth spring training weekend. Those tickets are sold out, obviously, but you might be down there that weekend going to the games. We're going to be there on Friday. We've got a small group of us going on the Friday night game and then a huge group, like almost 200 people there on Saturday. If you're down there that weekend, if you're in the Tampa area and you want to hang out, we have an after party sponsored by sailor Jerry at the yard of ale. It's a bar called the yard of ale in Soho from four to 7 PM on Saturday, March 14th. You do not need a ticket to come to that bar to come to that event. We've got some awesome drink specials that are going to be going on, thanks to Sailor Jerry. So if you are interested in coming to that, Yard of Ale in Soho in Tampa. Uh, you can also tweet us uh, if you uh, have any questions about that, or you can email email the show as well. Quickly, the other dates there on the website, go to shop.bronxpinstripes.com, and you go to the events section, and you can check out the events. We've got the first one of the season, May 9th. That's a Saturday Versus the Red Sox, that should be a hell of a good time. June 13th, we've got something special. We're going to the Trenton Thunder game. It's a home game for them in Trenton, and it's a double-A game. I've never been to a double-A game before. We've got like an all-day thing planned. It's, it's going to be all afternoon pre-gaming. We're going to be tailgating. We've got some fun activities going on, and then we've got uh, the game as well. Um, so if you're interested in that, check that out. June 26th, Friday night versus the Chicago Cubs, and then the last home event of the season, August 22nd versus the Blue Jays. Um, If you guys have been to one of our events in the past, you know how much fun they are. I think they're getting better and better with each passing event. Um, Last year, we sort of ended with a bang with the playoffs. We had 500 people at the ALDS in Sections 205 and 206, and I hope it is as rowdy at all of those events in Section 205 and 206 this season in the Bronx. All right, I'm going to stop yapping now. Stay tuned for my conversation with Dan Zimborski. Joining the podcast once again is Dan Zimborski from Fangraphs. He is... are you, You're the godfather of projections. How about that?
3: Am I... Yeah, I don't know if I'm the godfather. I'm I'm a good friend of projections. Maybe like a a mid level thug of projections. Well, I've noticed and
2: I don't know if this is just um because you've been on the podcast a few times now or or what, but if someone throws out a projection, they usually their go to is zips.
3: Well, that's because it's, it's easy to find. There's a, there's a lot to say for <laughs> for uh, ease. I mean, I I tend to take the first thing I can find with the least effort also. So that that always works. Yeah, it's
2: just right there underneath the season on FanGrass, very very clear to find.
3: Yeah, I think it's uh seniority maybe because they have been around forever at this point. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, and there and there obviously you got to back it up and and your your projections have been Accurate, as accurate as projections can get. Obviously, there's yeah. Always... Let's
3: let, let we we have, we're, we're letting the word accurate use a you know, do a lot of work for us there. Yeah, it's all about it's all about margin of
2: error, and if you, you just got to be better than the next guy, Dan.
3: Yeah, less crappy than the others. That's that's the that's the dream. It's the it's the saddest dream that anyone ever had. So, how's your offseason
2: been? It's been uh quite the off season for Major League Baseball.
3: It's been a better off season than last year. I mean, yeah, there's some disappointing stories, but things are happening. And the worst is when nothing is happening. Yes. Uh, and, and when you're employed to write for a living about baseball, when nothing's happening, that's kind of a problem. And, you know, really from excuse me, from like mid-December to February last year, there was nothing happening.
2: Yeah, it was the first time you were on the show last year. It was right around this time last year, maybe a couple of weeks earlier. But Manny Machado and Bryce Harper were still out there in free agency.
3: And yeah, now there's nobody left, really. I mean, yeah, there's players left, but there's no, there are no difference makers left. We kind of know at this point what teams are going to look like.
2: So, and that also makes it much uh, a clearer picture for Zips and and what we're going to be talking about today. Where because last year I think we had the co- the conversation about well, we you know two of the best players in baseball are not even on a roster at that point. So that that made it kind of interesting.
3: Yeah. So I mean. It makes it easier to talk about, but it's also easier. It also helps when nothing's happening because then it's okay to be a little wrong because you didn't know what was going on. I uh, use it as an excuse. I see. Yeah. At th- at this point, though, the off season with everybody signed, I kind of have to know what's going on or I'll be in trouble. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So give give the people a little bit of a refresher on what Zips is, if they if they maybe were not listening a year ago.
3: Okay. Well, Zips is a computer projection system. It's a very complex one at this point. After. Uh, more than 15 years of work and accumulated data in it. Uh, it, it starts with every player It establishes a baseline based on their actual stats, uh, various X stats or Z stats, as I call them, because Zips is involved. Uh, and it assembles a large cohort of similar players in history to see how they age, how they match the player's baseline at similar portions of their career. And then from there, Zips extrapolates and makes kind of an educated guess, as to where a player's going, you know, complete with margins of error and all that good stuff. Uh, and in the end, you hope that you don't do too poorly. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that was that's one of the most interesting things I like um, about looking at the, the blogs that you put up on each team is the player comps. And you said it finds a player... Uh, at a similar point in their career, with similar data behind them, and uh, to sort of come up with the aging curve, and I mean, to me, I find that to be the most interesting because you're comparing them to players that we already know the end result of. So it's fun to to take a, a look at some of the players and like you compared uh, the uh, the Garrett Cole comparison is Greg Maddox, and I was actually very surprised by that because when you watch them pitch, they're nothing alike.
3: Yeah. It, 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 the thing is, when you have a picture of that caliber, you don't really have a lot of comparisons in history. Uh, these are statistical comps. You don't have, you know, I would love if we had pitch FX data for, you know, the 90s and the 80s and the 70s, uh, but we don't. We have, you know, basic statistics for most players. Uh, and people forget when they look at, like, the strikeout totals, but Greg Maddox was not a low strikeout picture. Uh, it's just that we're up like 60% in strikeout rates since, since Maddox was around. Uh, I mean, he wasn't known Ryan or anything, but he was, he was in the, uh, he was like in the top 10 in the NL for strikeouts, like six or seven times and in the top five, several times. I mean, he was a strikeout pitcher as hard as that seems now. And also when you remember him at the end of his career, when he was a very soft tosser, uh, but, I mean, there have been worse com- first comparisons <laughs> because, remember, Zip is comparing to a large group. The first player is always interesting, but not really that much more, you know, determinative on, on the projection than, say, the third similar player. But it's fun, and I like fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's fun. And it also makes you, you know, when you think about Greg Maddox, you're like, well, he, w- he was top 10 in the NL in strikeouts, yet he threw all those complete games on, like, 94 pitches. It's just amazing.
3: Yeah, I mean, we, we actually call a, a stat, you know, a Maddox.
2: Yeah, well, the Maddox is, it's uh, a complete game under 100 pitches? Is that? Is uh,
3: that... It's, 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 uh, okay, a Maddox start, it's a complete game, it's a shutout on fewer than 100 pitches. Uh, did they, Did I know at some point they were talking about doing a time for it also, but I don't think they did that. But it's complete game shutout, I think it's 100 pitches.
2: So, when Nathan Ivaldi used to pitch for the Yankees, I used to
3: call an Ivaldi four innings, 100 plus pitches. Uh, and of course, I guess a Traxler would be four innings, 100 pitches, seven and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Not many, not many, you know, two hour and 15 minute complete games like Maddox used to throw. But yeah, some of these other comparisons, the one that jumped out at me, and it's interesting because there's not really much data on him, is Mike Ford, who had a really good limited plate appearances last year. I think he only had like 160 plate appearances last year, but the comp that you have
3: in there is Tino Martinez. Uh, Yeah. uh, I mean, it's similar players at similar points in their career. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, Zips, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fan of of Ford. I mean, in his limited time, I mean, he did have a 900 OPS. He did hit very well in triple a this year. Of course, everyone did, Uh, but he's shown some signs in the minors except for uh, the year before. Uh, And I, 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 I think Tino is better, uh, and you also have to remember that that Tino kind of this was uh, Ford's not a young player, and Tino was slightly getting off his peak at this point anyway. Uh, I, I mean, they I, they've been better. I, I, I won't lie; they've been better first comps. I think.
2: Yeah, but I mean, both both for Ford and for Voit, um, Zips is pretty high on. I think for Ford, it was like a hundred and. It's like 118 OPS plus, and then for uh, for Void, it was like 120. I, I wrote it down, but of course, it's uh, eluding me at, at the moment. But both pretty solid uh, projections for those guys.
3: Yeah, the, the projections as a rule for the Yankees were, were pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that to complain about the Yankees, generally, someone would have to be very greedy to complain about the projections at this point because, I mean, I ran the, uh, the seasonal numbers, you know, the very, very first run of seasonal numbers. I ran those uh, uh, back on Friday and uh, it it had the Yankees, you know, winning 100 games on average, which was, you know, the best projection in the AL uh, and only one behind the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, the floor on the team seems high because when you look at last season and everything went wrong that could go wrong and they still won 103 games and maybe they uh, outperformed. what they were expected to do. A lot of those guys outperformed like Gio Rochella is one that outperformed, but the floor is still extremely high. Um, I think you wrote something maybe a couple months ago that, uh, something like over
3: the Yankees over prepared. Or... Yeah. I, that, I was talking about that last winter when they were doing it, they, uh, they were essentially over engineered. Yeah. You know how like an airplane is over engineered for safety. It doesn't have, you know, like one system and then it backs up and everybody crashes. Uh, the Yankees, I mean, they were a competitive team and they had spare plans in most at most positions. Uh, now, obviously, they didn't want to. And there was some luck that it worked out so well. Uh, but Brand Tricky used to say, uh, hopefully it's a it's a real quote, and not one that was just attributed to him. Uh, he said that that luck is the residue of design. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees were designed to have fallback positions better than most teams in baseball. Uh, probably only the Dodgers equaled them in, in plan B's. Uh, and they needed them, and they worked out. So it's it's really hard to complain about what happened, I guess.
2: Well, then it makes you wonder, though, like what happens if Plan A goes to Plan and and things work out? What's the what's the ceiling for this team? And already Plan A has not worked out because the Yankees are down two <laughs> out of five starters, and it's not even March first.
3: Yeah, uh, the the good thing, sort of, I don't know if it's called the good thing, but that that hundred win projection it already factors in less time for Severino, you know, less time for Paxton, so. It's already being a little bit grumpy about their their predictions. Uh, I use I don't use the Fangraphs depth chart playing time precisely, but I was very close on Severino and Paxton. And in my sim, I both had them averaging about 130 innings. Uh, and is that so. because
2: they're both coming off seasons in which they spent time injured, or was that built in? Did did you run these numbers after you knew about? Oh, these these,
3: these were I I set the depth charts that I used. For the most recent, every time I run a season sim, I update all the depth charts that mm-hmm. i use used for. It. Gotcha. And so I did it right. Really, it was really a couple hours after the Severino injury happened or was announced. Uh, so it, it, it is up to date through that. Nothing that happened over the weekend is in there. Uh, but it, it does have it was already grumpy about it for that specific reason.
2: Yeah. And injuries are obviously built into the projections, even just on a on sort of like a macro basis, right? Like injuries happen, so that sort of has to be built in.
3: Um, yeah, Zips, I mean, Zips looks at injuries generally. Uh, I, I tend to keep Zips fairly agnostic. It'll be aware of those injuries after the season. It's just that when I have to actually sim the teams, then I have to actually decide who who's going to play. And that's, you know, a different challenge because, you know, I like to have Zips project as many people as possible. And, and when you go, like, down the Zips, you, you know... There's not going to be 400 games started from pictures. I mean, uh, that, that just that just wouldn't happen. Uh, uh, like, for instance, the official projection that's agnostic had had Paxton at 150 innings. Uh, Am I looking at the right one? Oh, I'm I'm looking at last year's <laughs> actual results. <and laughs> yeah, I'm I was like, gonna Wait. say. I was like, did I project? I didn't project Severino to have three starts. That doesn't make sense. Like, God, I I hope he has more than three
2: starts or else
3: that would be be bad. Uh, But, no, I had Severino at 166 going into the season, like at the preseason. Paxton 143, so those those are down a little bit. Uh, Zips is naturally not going to have, you know, pictures average 220 innings. Because, you know, pictures are fragile, even the best ones. Uh, Cole got a 200-inning projection, but that's hard to do.
2: Well, he's he's like the cream of the crop right now, and he's coming off two of the the best seasons – Uh, We've seen specifically one of the best seasons, but I know
3: zip sort of calculates
2: three year, three year data, right? So is that why
3: three or four year generally It depends on their age, Uh, four years for players in the middle of their career, because they're more stable and the data is more predictive. Uh, Once players are very young or very old, the farther you go back, the, the predictive value of that data goes down quite a, quite, quite aggressively low. It, it, it just, you know, recent, Performance is more important for young and old players.
2: Yeah, and when you compare Zips to maybe some other projections, Cole's actually lower. I mean, I think Zip still has him at like five and a half war season, which is great. But I've seen like 6.8 or maybe even I saw seven projected war season from Cole.
3: Yeah, I think – yeah. Uh, now that it's been adjusted to the Fangraphs war, which does use FIP, it has uh, Zips at 6.4 for, hmm. for Cole, 6.3 steamer. Okay. Uh, six point eight depth charts because we project a lot of innings on depth charts. Uh, but I mean, there's nothing to complain about. If, you know, if if I had been an AL Cy Young voter last year, I I would have voted uh, Garrett Cole for the Cy Young over Verlander. All right, do, you, was,
2: do you vote on anything?
3: Uh, I voted. Uh, yeah, I've I've been uh, a member for four years now, and I voted in three of the off seasons. Uh, two rookies, NL, uh, and a uh, um, Cy Young. Uh, because Cincinnati, I'm in the Cincinnati chapter, because I live in Ohio, Yep, uh, and it's a small chapter, there's like 12 active members. So you know, we can rotate out and everyone gets to vote. Uh, but like Jake Jaffe uh, has been a member for like 10 years, and he's never gotten to vote because he's in the New York chapter. There's a
2: lot of uh, guys ahead of him.
3: There's a lot of guys ahead of him. There's also more old school guys. There's not a lot of old school Cincinnati guys, you know, pushing others away.
2: Well, no, I love that some of the new school guys and guys who are looking at the game differently are starting to vote for these sorts of things because, you know, you get a situation like last year where Verlander got the Cy Young. And it's not like he had a bad season by any means. He was still fantastic. But when you really look at some of the numbers that we've come to value now, I don't know how Cole didn't win.
3: Uh, But it's it wasn't it wasn't preposterous. And we've had some pretty I can't say <laughs> the word. Pretty preposterous. We're pretty preposterous. I shouldn't do alliteration uh, with, with P's because then I'll start to sound like I'm lisping. Uh, I... Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I think generally that the voting has improved because uh, when you join the Baseball Writers Association, you can vote on at year-end war- awards immediately. Uh, to vote for the Hall of Fame, you have to wait 10 years. Uh, and really, only the very first internet people that Joined the Baseball Writers Association. Only the very first ones of those have been able to vote. Uh, you know, Keith Law, Christina Carl, uh, Sean Foreman of Baseball Reference, who got in as a data provider. Uh, so there's a lot of you know internet, pro- primarily internet people, who did not become members until 2013, 2016, 2017. Uh, so you've got to wait six more years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every, but I did too. That was that was the year they really started being. Je- pushing forward uh, uh, Derek Gould uh, uh, from St. Louis. He was the, uh, the, the baseball Writers association uh, president that year. And he was a very, he's a very forward thinker, very uh, progressive in this sense. Uh, so that's, that's MLB.com guys could finally get in starting that year. And I think total, there were like 70 writers admitted that year. I mean, I've, I've written for papers, but like guest columns, I, I've never written for a paper full time. And, you know, 10 years ago, there were still a lot of really old newspaper writers that looked down on the Internet writers as not real journalists.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's – it's. I mean I get it when you think about it maybe 10, 15 years – not even 10. Can't, 10 years ago is still – Yeah, 10 was too, silly. Yeah, but like 20 years ago. Yeah, I
3: 20 guess. years ago maybe, but 10 years ago, it was silly because, I mean, people are making – I mean, I'm not working for exposure. I'm getting paid a good salary to do what I do. This is this is my job. Right. Uh, and you've moved now, out of your mom's basement. Yeah, I well, moved out of that a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I, uh, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, uh, now a lot of those newspapers have folded because the newspaper industry is in a bad place, and yeah. a lot of those newspaper guys are internet writers now. Yeah. So it it all comes it's full kind circle. of funny
2: that works out. Yeah. The uh one other comp I want to talk about is LeMayhu, who is whose comp is Julio Franco. So that tells me we get to watch DJ LeMayhu play baseball for the Yankees until he's fifty, and I'm very happy
3: about that. Or until he's seventy, which is <laughs> I, I, I I'm not really sure how old Julio Franco is. Somewhere between fifty and seventy, sounds about but, right. Because the thing is, he he played you know, he he made his last appearance uh, when he was nearly fifty, or was he fifty? No, he was like forty-eight I or forty-five. I think 49. he was. was he, he didn't get fifty. I know. I, I
2: mean, Ricky Henderson played in whatever sort of affiliate affiliated league until he was fifty.
3: Yeah, they they you couldn't drag Ricky away. Uh, uh, Rick, Ricky's a player that always got a bad rap. Uh, I mean, that he was a guy who really really loved playing baseball, and I think a lot of people didn't really appreciate that because. He kept playing in, in independent leagues just because he loved it so much. And even when he retired, uh, he was in one of those independent leagues. He still had like a 450 on base percentage or something uh, in his final independent league season. Uh, how did we get to Ricky Henderson? <laughs>
2: we got to Ricky Henderson through <laughs> by way of Julio Franco, by ah, way of Julio DJ LeMayhew. Right.
3: But the thing about Julio Franco is, I mean, he played almost till 50. Yeah. But when he was young, the rumor was that he was... Older than his birth certificate already. Yeah. So the the joke is that you know he's Francisco Franco's little brother or older brother.
2: And uh, as far as Lemayhew's projections go, you have him taken a little bit of a step back. He had an unbelievable year last year. He finished top five MVP voting. Uh, he was on a streak where it was ridiculous. He was hitting like close to five hundred with runners in scoring position. Obviously, that's not sustainable. But still, when you look at his full season, it was amazing. Um, but you do have him taking a little bit of a step back.
3: Yeah, it's it, it's hard to establish. You know, this is his. I mean, Fangraphs we measured it as a five win season. This is his only five win season ever. He's had two three win seasons in his career, and he's in his thirties. He's a really good player, and Zip still gives him a very solid projection right around all star level, like three point. I got it. Hold on, three, three point six. Yeah, three yeah, which is six. Just, I mean, we call four an all star, and you know, you round that. That's an all star. So. That, that's still a very good prediction.
2: Well, uh, here's where it's going to be interesting because he's going to play second base mostly. And last year, especially in the second half, he was at first base where his defensive value was limited. Um, and he's a, I think his best position is second base. So
3: Yeah, he was always a good second baseman.
2: Yeah, and, and now the Yankees up the middle are going to have Glaber and LeMahieu, which I think is a step up from last year of DD at short and Glaber at second base. So I think overall that position is a much bigger strength.
3: Yeah. It's, 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 it's the middle in is pretty solid again. The whole team is solid, so I don't want to sense any greed. No, you got
2: to find some neg- Like you gotta, you gotta at least like temper my expectations somewhere. Where
3: are the holes on this team? Uh, Well, if they have a few starting picture injuries beyond, if Severino and Paxton, if they drag farther into the season, then I think that depth could be an issue uh, because you, you look at the guys they call up. I mean, I don't know how comfortable they'd really be throwing Johnny Lasagna in. He's been uh,
2: – every time he's gotten a shot, it has not looked great out of the rotation. But just from yeah. watching him, I could, I could see him working out in the bullpen.
3: Yeah, I, I think so too. But I can't really see them slotting him in for you know 140 innings necessarily.
2: Yeah, Michael uh, King, Michael King's exciting. Um, he, I, I, I think, will get a shot to get a couple starts if there's two injuries in the rotation in the first couple months of the season.
3: And, and you know, Garcia, of course, is exciting. But, I mean, he's still very young. He's
2: longer away, I think.
3: Yeah, I don't think they want to rush him necessarily uh, because it, it would be rushing him. He, he's, he doesn't have a lot of experience going deep into games. Uh, I mean, we're still seeing if they can keep him in the rotation, which I really hope they can because he's a lot of fun. Uh, I I think that is probably the team weakness that a few that their ability to to uh, absorb starting picture injuries isn't that great right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why they did not trade Hap, which turns out might be a good move in the offseason. Not. Yeah.
3: The thing about Hap is he's not good. He's not terrible, but he's okay. He's there. Really bizarre and,
2: season last year. He was so streaky. He would go on a 10-start stretch where he had like a mid-three ERA and looked competent. And then he would go on a seven-start binge where it was just like five home runs a start.
3: Yeah, but of course, I mean, he's a an old lefty who throws 90. Uh, uh, the, my only complaint about Hap is the way he pronounces his name. Who pronounces J-A? their initials?
2: J.A. J.Hap. J. Yeah. I used to call no it says, whenever
3: he would piss me off because of a bad start. I'd call him Jaw. Uh, I mean my, my initials are DJ I wouldn't if I went by DJ Zimborski I wouldn't go as Duj Zimborski or JD Drew didn't go as Jud Drew You should have I would have liked him better oh, Well the thing about but JD Drew had another annoying thing Because do you know what JD stood for
2: uh, I think we've talked about this actually Because this oh, is, is ringing the bells It's opposite right yeah, it's David Jonathan. David John, yeah.
3: JD stands for David <laughs> Jonathan. How does that even
2: work? Well, his mom was
3: dyslexic, so when she filled out the birth certificate, she wrote it backwards.
2: That's the how only explanation.
3: We, if we had this exact conversation, how did we have a, this exact conversation about JD Drew before?
2: I. This is all sounding very familiar, <laughs> so I do think we had this exact conversation. Because, Dan, when you come on the podcast, we go. I have like a list of questions for you. And then I get to about three out of the 20 because we go off on tangents. <laughs>
3: oh, okay. Uh, so I guess what people are – if we did talk about this last year, then what, what, we're, what we're giving people is a clip show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So here's maybe one weakness. Third base. Could third base be a weakness for the Yankees? Uh, it could be, but I think they're they're cognizant of their issues there. Uh, I, I think if they had gone in – and they, you know, they expected Andujar to to take the position back uh, and field there. I think I think that would have been a weakness. Uh, but I I, I I I I don't think I know you're trying to find a weakness so that we can have like a little bit of of of, <laughs> of levity. But I I think Urshela is fine there. I don't think he's going to be quite as good as last year. I mean, he had a one thirty something OPS plus. Yeah, you but have him at
2: 105. If he's a 105 with a good glove, uh, maybe his glove is overrated, but I, I think it's a good glove and it's it blows Andujar's out of the water.
3: Yeah, then... Andujar can't really play third base. It's no. just as simple as that. Even it's before a, the injury, he wasn't really that good at third base.
2: No, he was terrible. He was the worst third baseman in the league in 2018. But if you have Arshella at a 105 OPS plus with good defense, you're going to bat him
3: ninth and he'll be fine. Yeah, he, like he's Scott Brocious love Scott Brocious. Yeah. I love Scott Brocious cuz Brocious also sounds like a great
2: adjective. So how is that not the player comp? Instead, you got Casey McGee for Jaurishella.
3: Well, f- well f- of course they're 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 offensive comps. Uh, and Brocious was older at this point too.
2: Yeah, Jaurishella is can... about tw- is he 29 at this point?
3: I think he's yeah. older. Yeah, it's tricky. I I I kind of get him in the other Indian third base confused uh he is yeah 28 you're correct 28 i was going to guess 27 um and how old was scott brosius i mean brosius was, was pretty he, old he at that a, point
2: yeah i think when he came to the yankees brosius yeah because was in he was the 30s. a's for
3: so long mm-hmm. and then he came to the yankees
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. uh, Unless i am compressing all this in my head
2: no 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 you you've got it right i don't know ex- his he exact age but i would that, guess he was, 33 he was 32
3: okay. he was 32 33
2: yeah that was going to be uh, my guess
3: yeah i'm actually I'm actually opening up zips and I'm going to find you comps that you'd like better for Rochelle.
2: Okay. Well, I wasn't yeah. crazy about the Glaber Torres comp, Erasmus Ramirez. At first glance, I was like, oh boy, I hope Glaber Torres is a better player than Erasmus Ramirez. But then I realized I maybe wasn't giving Ramirez enough credit for his really solid middle of his career.
3: Yeah, I'm. i I I don't have this comp in front of me. I'm I'm just sorry. I'm pulling everything up very quickly, to try to to first find the or comp. Then we, then we can move on to Torres and fight that one out. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you should we should. Uh, I'm trying to filibuster while I do. this. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, well, trying, I'll, to be, I'm trying to be very quick here. Yeah. Hey, I'll
2: I'll just. York, I'll, hey. Yeah. I'll what? talk. So I mean, I do think. Just so you know, like, I I think third base corner infield, I could see going awry and because they haven't really had a steady guy at either of those positions. So that's, I think, a concern amongst many Yankees fans. And and it's one of them is that Girishala is not legit. And he caught lightning in a bottle thanks to the juice ball last year.
3: I mean, that is always a risk. Uh I mean, you look at, at 1987, which was kind of a weird year, too, and there were guys like, you know, Dale Swaim who, who hit crazy things out of, out of nowhere. Uh, let see. Yeah. Connie and I Lansford, th- uh, Jeff Kent. Yeah, Jeff Kent. Buddy great. Bell.
2: Yeah, and I think that's probably – I mean, last year we might look at in five years and be like, well, that was just a weird year. Brett Gardner yeah. slugged 500.
3: Carney Lansford, Mike Lowell, Jose Vidro, the original Frank Thomas, Brooke Jacoby, Joe Randa, Aubrey Huff, who's kind of a who kind of been a jerk lately.
2: <laughs> yeah. T- I do not recommend following Aubrey Huff on Twitter.
3: Tim Nehring. And Nehring was better than people remember. People have kind of forgotten. Uh I'm going to go off on a tangent here. It's it's surprising how the the nineties Red Sox teams, it, it it's it shocks me how people have forgotten just how good Tim Nahring and John Valentin were. That's all that is it really though that shocking? <laughs> no, but like, John Valentin, he had like an eight war season once. Did he
2: really? Wow? yeah,
3: I, I think i'm 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 pulling it up real quick. I could be a liar, you know, I lie sometimes. I no.
2: remember John Valentin just because I used to play the Red Sox in like all- star baseball ninety nine and he was always on the Red Sox roster.
3: Yeah, from, from 93, here's his war totals. 5.2, 4.1, 8.2, 2.8, 4.3, 4.5.
2: Mm. Steroids. A, <laughs> no, steroids are a hell of a he drug. Only hit,
3: he only hit 20 home runs twice there. Oh, really? So Yeah.
2: Okay, did he have just a 50 doubles a season thanks to the Green Monster?
3: Lot, well, he did have a lot of doubles. He had a 47 double season, a 44... Uh, his on-base percentages were four hundred, three ninety-nine, three seventy-four. Yeah, really, uh, really solid overall offensive player. It sounds like. Yeah, and, I mean, he he played shortstop. So
2: you're going to get a little bit of a bump from there as far as WAR goes, for for defensive value. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that that I guess transitions nicely to to Glaber, who's I mean five-year WAR totals of twenty-five point six is unbelievable. I think he's. Yeah you know, one of the budding superstars in the game.
3: Yeah. Zips um, loves him. You look at those long-term projections and they're just, Mwah. yeah. And he's like one of
2: these guys that when he came to the big leagues, I think people realized like, oh, he can hit 30 home runs because that was never talked about in any scouting
3: report. Yeah. But the thing is, when you have a player that's that talented, uh, that young and at that high level, relatively speaking, you really don't even know what they can do.
4: Yeah, yeah, it comes down to it,
2: right? Yeah, that's. I guess you got to take all of you know those sort of uh, scouting reports with a grain of salt. And you know, I was reading just before we started recording um, the prospect Zips prospects um, rankings, and
3: yeah, I did it this year. Last is this year, new
2: because I don't remember this.
3: I didn't do it last year. I did it with ESPN every year, uh, but last year at the normal time I do them, uh, Eric Longenhagen and uh, and and Kylie uh, McDaniel were. We're doing their prospects, so I was gonna wait until they had done all their teams because I didn't want to kind of, you know, bump into their turf. Uh, but by the time they finished all their teams, it was like the end of May, and it seemed weird to do a May list. So I I decided to start fresh this year with a planning out an actual time to do it. So I, I've done it for uh, seven years with one missing year. Okay, so
2: that's why <laughs> I I was unaware of it, but I found it interesting but- because. I noticed some different guys on here than your other maybe traditional prospect rankings, yeah. Um, which I think is cool because it's kind of talking about something slightly different than say like a Baseball America or a MLB Pipeline or something.
3: Because the thing is, prospect watchers—they're dreamers by nature. Uh, they're not looking, you know, to find a one and a half win a year player. That's it's it's not exciting. I mean, it's it's all. It's, like, ambitious. They want to see the guys who can become stars. While Zips, you know, has no no romance of that nature, Zips says, hey, you know, we're going to look for stars, but we're also going to look for okay players. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that Zips liked better than some. Zips will sometimes miss out on these toolsy guys that that, will, that might suddenly blow up and, and be huge. Zips, Zips sometimes misses those guys, but Zips does a lot of good, finding players like Kyle Hendricks because Zips loved Kyle Hendricks as a prospect and nobody else really did. Right.
2: He's uh, not going to get any glowing scouting reports from a guy watching him from the stands.
3: Yeah. No one's going to say, Oh, look at that changeup that this minor <laughs> league picture is. And no, oh, he's, he's throwing 88. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So, good, good movement on the corners. Uh, and if, and if you look at the, at the, at the zips, uh, cause I actually, I actually linked, um, I don't know if you saw it, but on, on Twitter, I actually, did uh the 2014 which was the first year i i I posted the the i didn't see
2: that so retroactively going to see how you did
3: yeah uh and if i can find it because i don't name files very well (laughs) i have i have so many files named new document and then like a random series of characters after that (laughs) new document 75ab942 yeah a lot of asdf 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 things (laughs) uh but but uh Zips was was in the lead. Uh, uh, I'm opening it up really quickly. Twitter, Twitter. I'm looking through my Twitter media, and the problem was I I post so much nonsense that it takes a while to scroll down to the <laughs> thing I'm looking for. Like I have I have, what do I do in the middle of the night? I have pictures of Return of Zork, Oregon Trail, <sighs> tacos.
2: Yeah, your your Twitter feed is really a stream of consciousness. And which is I think what it was meant to be originally, what Twitter was meant to be. So you're using
3: the platform correctly. Oh anyway, uh as of right now from two thousand fourteen, uh zips uh the, the, the hundred the top hundred zips from the two thousand fourteen list have five hundred and eighty six war in the majors. That's
2: uh, that sounds good. If you if it's a top one hundred, that's five point eight per player.
3: Yeah. Keith Law, uh five hundred and fifty four. The Fangraphs list that year done by Mark Hewlett, 563, MLB Pipeline, 449, and uh, Baseball America did better at 643, but Baseball America also considered Cuban and Japanese players. And so they had Tanaka with 18, Abreu with 17, uh they had uh so Soler. they're
2: including cuban established players not yeah, just and, not and, just international and, signings because you yes. do have international prospects in here
3: yeah so if we had done tanaka we all would have done better if if we had been able to if we put tanaka and they also had carlos martinez who wasn't actually a rookie at that point he had already used his rookie of the year so i'm i'm pretty happy with that that zips has more war and you can see a lot in some of the players that zips had on the list And the others did not. Zips was the only one. uh, No, only two of five had Marcus Simeon on the list. Uh, Colton Wong.
2: A lot of people upset that Simeon got more MVP votes than DJ LeMahieu last year.
3: Yeah, well, (laughs) there's not a lot to be grumpy about. about Zips (laughs) really liked John Gray and had Robbie Ray on the list in 2014 and nobody else did. Uh and sometimes these guys work out. I mean, it had Mookie Betts at the number twenty six prospect. That uh, worked out. MLB pipeline didn't have him in the hundred, Keith had him at sixty one, Fangrass fifty nine. And it's Baseball so funny America's because 65.
2: it was the pipeline probably didn't have him because of his size. Like I guarantee you that was like the number one thing that they wrote negatively about him.
3: Uh and the thing is, Betts looked at the time like he was he wasn't gonna be one of those high upside guys. It turns out he was one of those high upside guys. Uh but uh so i i zips will like different players it will be more suspicious of some of those low level minor leaguers uh, but i think in the end it gives you information that's useful and i that's what i try to do i mean it's not just about you know hitting a target it's the question is can people use this to you know help them in some way and people do seem to be able to get use out of my projections so yeah, That's I found I it to be
2: it. interesting when I was looking at what Yankees made the top 100. And obviously, Deve Garcia and Jason Dominguez are there, and they're on every prospect board. But then, you know, this list did not have other guys that a lot of Yankee fans are probably used to hearing about, like Esteban Florial or Clark Schmidt. And it had some other lower-level, lesser-known guys. You know, they were back towards the 80s and 90s, but it's still names that we're not as used to seeing um, yeah,
3: and there were actually several Yankees that didn't quite make it, so it's not like some of these guys were way off. Dominguez, of course, Zips can't really do anything about right, that. Right,
2: and that's what I was going to ask you because he has no data on him. Yeah, there's and nothing. he's 16 years old, but everyone, I mean, they call him a freak. They call him the Martian because he's going to be, a, he's a freak talent. So you, do you have to kind of, what do you do in that situation for these, for this sort of ranking?
3: Well when when well Zips didn't even consider him and I actually made a note about that because zips works with data. If there's no data, there's no insight. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna do something like do a proxy where he's like on a, everyone else's top prospects list, so zips likes him too. I'm not gonna, you know, do that nonsense. Uh, I'm just gonna say, yeah, the, the projection tool does not help you here. And that's just the case. So I, I don't I think it's better to do that than to, you know, you know, dish out a bunch of nonsense
2: right yeah yeah so it was interesting i encourage people to check that out um all right let's uh last thing i want to talk about and i don't know if you've heard but the astros got caught cheating um
3: oh oh god
2: no. <laughs> are you sick of talking about it yet
3: uh, I, yeah i'm kind of i'm i mean i'm starting to run out of jokes well so i will i kind of want to take a different angle to it <laughs> i i gotta I, I even i even have a t-shirt that i made so i've I, I, I'm interested in things until they stop being funny to me. <laughs> okay, what's, that's the terrible. what's the t-shirt say? Oh, uh, I uh, did you ever play A Legend of Zelda? Uh,
2: no, so this joke is going to be lost on me.
3: Oh, well, anyway, there's at the opening of the game, you're in a, the little lynx in a cave, and there's an old man saying, uh, it's dangerous out there alone, take this, and there's a little sword, and it's a famous image of people of a certain age who played that game. Hmm. Uh, so I replace it with a... Uh, with a trash can instead of a sword, and said, "It's dangerous to face pictures alone." Here, take this. Uh, if if you if you have played the game, you'd understand the joke. No, I, I get if, the joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't you don't have, you don't have to humor me. Uh, it, it's much funnier if if you know it. But I I I like stories as long as they're funny to me, and that's kind of you know maybe not the most productive take in this world, but that's just the way I am. I I I like to. I, my favorite thing about life is being amused.
2: Yeah, and well, this was amusing at first, and now it's just not going away, and I don't think it's going away because I don't think we've heard the full
3: story. Uh, yeah, it's it was mishandled in so many levels. It's just it's it's hard to know who to get the angriest at. Uh, I I I think that the Astros at this point, they they know they should know that they had to make a heel turn. They're going to have to play up on this, uh, you know.
2: Well, I'm sure you saw their their organization at spring training stealing everyone's signs, physically yeah. stealing all their signs. So maybe that's a start of the heel turn, and they're just leaning into the joke.
3: Yeah, I, they, they they should because that's the way you do it. Uh, that's something that A Rod never did. I thought I thought when A Rod was when he had you know first all the 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 the, uh, the lab work that he had used uh, at the time, I thought he should have embraced it and done the a heel turn. Uh, if I had been a rod every time I hit a home run, I would have mimicked injecting my muscles with a, with a needle. Uh, I would have, you know, taken out full billboard ads, bashing the fans of every town on a road trip. Yeah. Things like that.
2: Cause he had fu money, so he could just do stuff like that.
3: Yeah. Uh, but he, he really wanted to be loved and That's no his, that had,
2: was his biggest flaw.
3: Yeah, and nobody at that point really wanted to love him. It's it's changed since. He's kind of become the beloved figure, and people don't like Cheater as much. Uh it, it's it's kind of weird how that happened. It happened uh,
2: quickly, too. Yeah. It was like one <laughs> it, one uh one postseason of A Rod calling games on Fox, and then all of a sudden everyone was on his side.
3: Yeah, he one yeah, he 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 broadcast for a season and Jeter buys part of the Marlins and runs them for a season. And then there, the the public opinion of them almost like flipped completely.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of steroids, what do you think in your opinion is a bigger advantage using steroids and performance enhancing drugs, or
3: if you know what pitch is coming, I I'd say, I know what pitch is coming, but I don't really think either are really huge deals necessarily. The problem I see with the, with the, uh, with uh, the, the, the sign stealing, it isn't even that it's a big effect, it's that you're trying to cheat. And if you're trying to cheat, it doesn't really matter if the effect is nothing or if the effect is huge. Right. The idea is that you're trying to cheat. Uh, it's the same with corked bats. There isn't really a lot of evidence that corking your bat does anything, but the point is that you're trying to cheat. Uh, and the fact that you're trying to cheat, that's the problem. Uh, I don't think that the Astros would have really been that much worse if if they had not stolen signs. But the fact is they had, you know, the guilty conscience. They had that, you know, the mens rea. They they were trying to undermine the rules and, you know, the rule of law in baseball. And that's where the crime is. And that's what should be punished. Uh, The problem is that. At this point, you pretty much had to give them immunity because there was no realistic way that Manfred was going to be able to do anything about it. The thing is that they could have done something about this years ago. Yep, when baseball,
2: they, always one step behind.
3: Yeah, when they sent out uh, messages to teams that when like the Red Sox were fooling around a few years back, they should have also been opening up discussions with the MLBPA talking about electronic sign stealing to make it known to work out punishments and 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 that and rules and 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 the like because in baseball players have to approve rules they can't mlb can't just implement them on them uh that's why mlb couldn't just decide to start drug testing without the mlbpa's approval it's the same here they could have sat down and they wouldn't have had any problems because no players want other players stealing signs with electronic uh by electronic means in a game uh, they could have done something, but then by the time they actually had players doing it and they were caught, they couldn't really do anything about it. If Manfred had said, "We're banning all the players on the on the roster for 50 games," the MLBPA would have immediately filed a grievance because they're essentially required to, by law, and they'd be slapped. MLB would be slapped down very, very quickly because there's ample uh, precedent, uh, both in the rules and in arbitration, that MLB just can't impose rules like that. Uh, so if you can't punish the players, all you might as well give them immunity since you can't punish them anyway and get as much information as you can out of them. Uh, so Manfred's problem wasn't this, how he acted right here with not punishing the players. It's that they didn't take any – the opportunity to get this taken care of years ago. Well,
2: and I also think that you have big-name players like Bellinger and Trout and Judge call, basically saying that players should have been – uh suspended which flies in the face of what the players association association was going to do and maybe those guys didn't know the rules and that that baseball was just gonna file a grievance and get those any of those penalties wiped out but that just fuels the fire for fans to be like oh see aaron judge said that these guys should be suspended so they should be suspended
3: yeah it, it i the the more the more black helicopter ish part of my personality wonders if manfred One of the reasons Manfred was happy to go out and grant immunity is because it would cause some infighting among the players.
2: Uh, Yeah, so you think this is a big conspiracy and this is all going to be good for
3: baseball marketing. Well, not necessarily a conspiracy, but I think that not to improve the marketing, but kind of to keep the uh, the, uh, MLBPA not necessarily as cohesive going into contract negotiations. Because there was actually a lot of belief that that's what they did uh, with the steroids that they let the players get angry about it. Uh and then the players were more than willing to to fight with each other about steroid use and to eventually grant drug testing without any concession in their favor. Uh is I, I this think
2: infra- is this an informed opinion or is this just a a theory amongst let's amongst say people? a
3: slightly informed opinion. I've heard some whispers and it's hard to say what's true is, but I mean, in the end, I think it's more – I don't think it's actually like a conspiracy theory. I think maybe Manfred just saw an opportunity maybe, but it is interesting to think about.
2: Yeah. Well, it just baffles me that they could have implemented these replay technologies and these, these camera rooms that are just feet from the dugout back in 2014. And no one had the foresight to think that baseball players might cheat because they've yeah. – Oh, I don't know, only been cheating for 100-plus years. Yeah, Why I mean, do baseball you... players love to cheat so much?
3: Yeah, I, I, everyone wants to get a a a a, a, uh, a benefit out of it, and this is of course after they knew that teams were doing something like that, so they can't even claim that uh, that they didn't even know that it was possible because they did. Uh, and baseball players have always tried to cheat. I mean, you go back to the you know the New York Giants in 1951. Uh, they, Leo Durocher and Herman Franks, Herman Franks with binoculars, and they had a buzzer in the dugout. Right. This has been done a while. It's this isn't anything new. Uh, but you know, baseball likes to you know, shut the bar the shut the barn door after the horse is gone.
2: Yeah, it's classic. It's classic baseball reaction instead of pro, uh, proactive. But yeah, and I, I think that's now the thing that is upsetting me most is that. It, it's just the the way they handle th- these sorts of things is frustrating. From some coming, you know, me watching, I'm someone who who loves the game of baseball and wants it to be the best it possibly can, and then I gotta
3: sit there for an off season and, and watch this crap happen. And what was truly pathetic is the year, the not the year, the week that it broke. You at the same time had uh, then talking about expanding the playoffs to 14 teams. <laughs> uh, you had the talking about you know con- contracting. Like what? A quarter of the minor league teams, a fifth. Yeah, uh, it's like wow. The Astros are only the third most depressing story yeah. from baseball.
2: Well, hey, I can't wait for that reality TV show of when teams are going to pick their opponent. That's going to be a fun, oh, that's going to be a fun hour of our life on MLB Network.
3: I, I never thought I'd say this, but I think Bud Sealing was the better commissioner. Oh wow! Bud well, Sealing, I mean, was terrible in a lot of ways, especially with like player relations. But Bud Selig actually loved like the sport of baseball. I don't necessarily get the feeling that Redford really is that crazy about baseball.
2: Some of these things, some of these actions, it definitely has that sort of vibe, or maybe he was in love, you know, loved baseball at one point and now is just annoyed by his job. <laughs> like many people in the world, you know, it's, it's a, it's a passion at first and then eventually it turns into a job.
3: Oh God. I wonder what's going to happen to me. Cause <laughs> This
2: is like the only thing I know. How I to said do, most right. people, not all people. Don't worry.
3: I'm scared now.
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I appreciate your time talking. You know, suffering through the cheating scandal talk. Uh, hopefully, we're getting to the end of that, unless but more information the, comes out.
3: We had the Red Sox announcement coming eventually.
2: Yeah, that's, that's been
3: the... that's been coming for like two <laughs> weeks. So when is it? When Remember, are we going to see it? How many years did it seem for them to, to have like the Chris Bryant grievance actually heard and decided? I think he found agreements like in 2017 or something. <laughs> yeah,
2: I don't know with the Red Sox um, since Cora's now got shown the door. Anyway, I feel like that was that's the scapegoat, so it's gonna be it's gonna be less headliney than what the Astros got.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll see.
2: Uh, Dan, I appreciate the time. You guys can all follow Dan on Twitter at d zimborski. That starts with an S, not a Z. So uh, just Google zips and you'll find it. <laughs>
3: I appreciate the time, Dan. Uh, Always fun. Thanks for having
0: me.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.
4: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better.